Welcome to Church Online. I am so excited that you have joined us this morning. I'm Pastor Matt. I pray that our worship will be exciting and uplifting. I pray that the ministry of the Word will work in your heart and that the Lord will do something special. Thank you again for joining us and enjoy the service. Last week we talked about, uh, I'm going to try not to step all over these things. Uh, last week we talked about uh, what really matters in Look, and I'm just going to have a little fireside chat with you. Y'all all right with that? little little chat today. Um, I, sometimes I don't know how to feel about where we are with our nation and, and with what is going on, with what is happening. I mean, uh, for sure it's, it's polarizing. Can anybody see that? I mean, for sure you got people on every end of every spectrum. Um, you know what? Can Kaylee... Can you grab my blue Bible out of my office? Thank you so much. I think it's on my left shelf in there. I'd rather have that than this. Um, but yeah, I, I just think uh, it's all about where you align. And I've been talking a lot about this, um, I think rightfully so. But how many feel like you just can't share your feelings about what's going on or, or else somebody's going to take it the wrong way? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like, well, I would share, or, or I would say that, but I'm scared. And then you got people on the other end of the spectrum that you really should take a little bit more thought on how you share and what you should do. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, it's, it's definitely, it's both. Um, but my, my goal is to kind of speak to the majority here. Hey, Mike, good to see you. Uh, my goal is to, to help, okay, maybe you're on the extreme and you don't care what people think, or maybe you're on the other end where you're like, I just really don't want to offend, and maybe we get both to, to move. Maybe we get one to say the things that they're scared to say and the other to put a little bit of a filter on it, <laughs> and we land somewhere in the middle. But either way, if we don't say or we do say something that we shouldn't, the enemy wins. If you're not familiar, if you're new to our church, uh, we have a thing called Bethlehem's Creed. It's on our website. Look it up, and it's just five simple principles that you can live by. And the first one is this. It's lead with love. Lead with love. One of my core principles of how I live my life is I consider who I'm talking to, and I lead with the love of Jesus. The Bible says that God is love. It's, it's a, the manifestation of your relationship with the Lord is how we lead other people uh, that are not like us. How we talk to difficult people. And sometimes we are the difficult people. And my wife said, amen, you are difficult. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I guess my goal in this conversation is just to, to get to a point where we can all be comfortable having a conversation. Last week, what really matters, Romans 10, think about this. The, the climate at the time, right? In, in the book of Romans, you have four to five house churches that Paul writes a letter to, and this letter in the book of Romans is circulating in the house churches. And the message in that is that there are Torah-abiding Jews, nationalist Jews, some that are zealots that are preaching, you must abide by Torah, to these new-coming Gentiles, 
into the church. They're telling a Gentile, look, you can't eat that around me. You know what I'm saying? Get that out. I mean, it would be like me walking up into church for the first time with a bag of pork rinds. You know what I mean? Hey, guys. <laughs> oh, doggone it. I just kicked it. Sorry, Kayla. <laughs> but that's offensive to these folks that are eating kosher, right? And, and so it doesn't matter what side of, of the aisle Paul is saying, what I'm trying to get you to see is that you all need to consider each other in your actions. Is that applicable to where we are in America today? No? Okay, I guess not. All right, let's just shut it down. It's applicable. We have to consider each other, and we have to consider the differences in where we're coming from. And here's what Paul says. Paul is saying, let me remind you that the first thing, the most important thing, is the gospel. Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Remember, this is the righteousness of, of God revealed from faith to faith, Paul says, and the just will live by faith. That's the whole thesis statement of this book is that you are to show Jesus the righteousness of God. God manifest, God in human flesh, leaving heaven, coming to earth, putting on a skin like we have and living as a man and defeating death, hell, and the grave in the flesh, the power of Jesus. Jesus, the power of God, uh, being about his father's business, the Holy Ghost working through him to save a lost and dying world. The story of redemption, the good news that should be proclaimed to everyone is the gospel. And in our text here at Romans 10, last week we said, look, the, this is what really matters. And that's 10.9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation or unto deliverance. And, and then you get to verse 13, and it says, For whosoever, this is a whosoever and anybody gospel, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we talked about how uh, Genesis 4, uh, in the days of Seth, where people began to call upon the name of Yahweh, Paul is echoing an Old Testament truth that when man began to call on God, things began to change. And Paul is saying, have we forgotten what really matters? Have we forgotten? And the answer was yes. Next week's message is going to be more about how the Jewish people specifically had a problem with the message of the Lord and Paul's heart going out to them. And Cody hit on it a little bit in chapter 9, but it's going to get even more detailed in chapter 11. But before he gets there, he talks about what really matters is the gospel. And then in verse 14 to the end of chapter 10, he says, this is what you do with what really matters. And that's what today's message is. If what really matters is the gospel, what do we do with the gospel? How do we convey that? And this is a rhetorical question, but how many of you struggle with sharing your faith? How many of you struggle with saying like, how do I form, form the words or how do I reach out or how do I say something that I know is being contradicted by my lifestyle or, right? The enemy gives us a hundred different reasons uh, to keep us from, uh, from expressing those words of the gospel. But all of it, listen, once again, if he can keep you on the left or on the right, politically, where you stand with how you feel, as long as he can keep your mouth shut, he wins. 
As long as he can keep you angry at the other person to the point that you won't share uh, what really matters, he wins. And so today I'm calling everybody to a place of the middle. It's Independence Day. Just let me celebrate the way I want to celebrate. (laughs) Okay. All right, sure. You can have your moment. Go watch the fireworks however you want to watch the fireworks, but understand the reality of it is if you're under the sound of my voice, if you're watching online and you believe this book right here, and maybe you don't, that's okay. Still hang out, don't leave. (laughs) If you believe this book and you were entrusted with the good news, it's your responsibility to share it. It's your responsibility to proclaim it. And we're going to see that today, but unfortunately, we only talk to people that look and breathe and smell like us. So everybody I know knows the gospel. (laughs) So I'm good. I don't have to share. Is that true? Mm -mm. It's absolutely not true. So anyway, let's continue down this, this, uh, this thought of where things were back then. Consider the context. The Jewish people were expelled from Rome probably 10 to 15 years before this letter was written to these churches. And they kind of matriculated back into uh, the communities in Rome, the lower class communities, because they were uh, poverty stricken. They had been sent away or kicked out by the local government uh, and then heavily taxed upon returning to keep them in check, to keep them in control. The last thing the Roman Empire wanted is for a religious revolt, for the Jews to get uh, hip to each other uh, and how they disagreed with the empire and then formed some sort of rebel revolt, right? And so we, we think about uh, the, the day and age that it was in, the historical setting is uh, Rome, the emperors, preaching peace, Pax Romana, the empire uh, brings peace, right? And the emperor still, I mean, this is like the same song and dance. You look at the Old Testament and Pharaoh Uh, is the manifestation, really, of Egypt's gods. And he's the answer, and what he says goes, and really it's the same way in Rome. Man will always take this place, if left to his own devices, where he is being controlled by the enemy. Where man abuses his power in a tyrannical nature uh, for sake of his own uh, ego, his own pride, and his own benefit. And we see that within this empire. Uh, And so uh, the empire, you know, Rome, this is how we get peace. Well, they weren't very peaceful with with that message, were they? Anyone who did uh, or went against them, they pretty much killed them. Uh, But but consider the fact that the Jews are back into uh, this area. The the Gentiles are the more affluent communities within the empire. Uh, There's no rub, right? They believe in many gods. Uh, There's no real danger to the empire from them. Uh, And so uh, between the two groups of people, God is trying to, through the Apostle Paul, bring them together. God is trying to to form the church, uh, the bride of Christ. And so uh, one thing I was thinking about, and just bear with me, just just via uh, the historical nature of this, this is probably, this book was probably written, this letter, uh, somewhere in the 60 ADs right? Paul writing this letter. And think about what happened in 70 AD. Does anybody know? What happened in 70 AD? The destruction of something. Huh? Jerusalem. The destruction of the temple. If you think about this, like these folks that were already struggling with their identity 
and their national identity, being among other non-believers that don't really care about the nation of Israel. And, and when you think about what happened at Pentecost, how there they all came for Passover and the Holy Ghost fell, and Jews from all over left with the Holy Ghost spreading that message. Uh, these same Jews, a part of this church in Rome, that was also uh, entrusted with spreading this message to the Gentiles, they were still Jews. They still had a love in their heart for Torah. They still had a love in their heart uh, for temple. They still had a love in their heart for that place that uh, was rebuilt after exile that many of their family put into and died trying to rebuild. That's the temple, right? And eventually Rome would annihilate and burn the temple to the ground. Just probably three to five years if I got my historical line. This is just me thinking this week, right? If I got my historical line correct. And, and remember, Jesus prophesied that that would happen. I think a lot of people take his words as being prophetic, uh, the abomination of desolations, being prophetic towards uh, what will happen in the tribulation, but that it actually happened in AD 70. And there is, uh, I, I heard this week, I was listening to a couple of scholars talk about it, that during the desecration of the temple, that it said that they took a pig into the holiest of holies and killed it on the altar and per performed the abomination of desolations within the temple when they burned it to the ground in A.D. 70. So my point is, is these, uh, these futuristic things that were foretold literally happened a few years after this letter was written. And so how did they feel about that? Everything that they had uh, clinged to as a nation and their ideology was, was then what? Destroyed. And is this a new thing for the Jewish people? Is captivity and exile and, and uh, falling on hard times, is that new to them? No, it happened over and over and over again. And then fast forward to where we are. We become obsessed with our nation and our icon, right? We become obsessed with our affiliation and what happens if it were destroyed? And we worry about it. Look, I mean, every movie, right, that hits on those things about being invaded by Russia or whatever, China or, you know, crazy North Korea, whatever that guy's doing. You know, like we worry and we're concerned. But my point is, is that there's a line between where we are or who we are as Americans being extremely patriotic and our faith. There's a line where God was trying to teach them something that he was their God of their nation, but at some point that transitioned to he was the God of every nation. And sometimes I feel like we have through our Western eyes, through our culture, and I'm speaking to myself here, I'm, I'm talking really from my heart and the things that I struggle with. So if this doesn't define you, great. But I know for me, I can often think like, then I'm more concerned about my country, my rights, my freedoms than I am about the gospel. I'm more concerned about keeping my level of comfortability than I am about stepping out of my comfort zone and being willing to lose something for the sake of him and for the sake of his name. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are people that take this too far. There will be people that, pastors that stand in pulpits and proclaim the good news as if it was only given to America. 
preaching a message on Independence Weekend. And listen, I'm telling you, I would love to preach that message that it is us and it's so American and in God we trust and tell uh, stories about our founding fathers. And I know those stories. I know a lot about history. But my point is, is is, is that what Paul was trying to do? Was Paul trying to call them to their nationalism and then to the gospel? Or was he trying to say, look, there's a line that needs to be blurred between who your nation is and who your God is. It's tough, isn't it? I want to say, don't touch my guns. I showed my little bit of my hand there politically. Just kidding. People make everything political these days. But you understand what I'm saying. I have to be able to set my, not my guns aside. (laughs) Yes, no. I have to be able to set my ideologies and how I perceive a government should be run and say there's another kingdom and I'm going to seek first that kingdom. You feel me? That's how what matters most trickles down to how we handle what matters most. And that's kind of the heart of the matter of today. Look, if your ideologies and your second-tier issues are in front, remember last week, you got a problem. So I say all that to say, next week we're going to handle more about what happened with with the Jewish folks and how they uh, forsook some of these things. Paul's going to talk about it directly. And why could Paul talk so directly about it? Does anybody know? (laughs) Because he was one. He even says it. I'm a Benjamite. And in another passage of scripture, he says, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, blameless. So as an American, right, I can say to you, you, we're we're getting complacent. We're getting sidetracked. We're losing the forest for the, the what? For the trees. And we need to take a step back and first make what matters most, the gospel, our front and center, and let all that other stuff filter out. If we can sit at a dinner table and talk about these issues in a respectful manner and see other people's perspective, chances are the gospel is first. Chances are we have arrived at that place where the Lord and loving others means the most to us. And it's not, well, uh, they need to get my point, and I need to get my point across. No. (laughs) No, not the most important thing. But if what I'm saying to you is not something you feel like you can digest, then the message today is not going to hit home, which is why I'm trying to tell you, (laughs) when we look at the gospel through our Western eyes, America, and what, what it is for us, what it means, do you understand that us, how we're sitting here worshiping today, worship was awesome today, well, I don't know how it sounded out there, but I had it up here, and and the Lord was moving, and the Spirit of God was working in my heart, in my (laughs) in-ear, Like, it, it's, it's a, look, it's a blessing. It's a privilege to have what we have. Not everybody's got this. But we act like this is the only way to do church. How do I know? Because we Americans were like, man, the coffee was rough today. <laughs> These chairs ain't straight. Well, there was a 9 a.m. service. Sorry we weren't on it. <laughs> I mean, what else? We complain about everything, don't we? I mean, I think the worst one, my pet peeve, and my wife walked out, I'm going to embarrass her, just kidding, I'm not, don't tell her. But when we go to restaurants and we act bougie, she doesn't, I'm just teasing. When we go to restaurants and get angry about how horrible the service is, that's an opportunity for you to love somebody. 
No, you pay for good service. <laughs> I get it. That's the tension. Do you understand? You pay, you should have good service. Things should be right. I get that. But at what point are we going to see things as opportunities to be loving Christians? That's not an opportunity. Yes, it is. Saying to that waitress, look, I know that I, I'm watching you handle all. I went to, uh, I think it was Sunset this week. I mean, she was like handling the whole region. Clearly understaffed. Did we get our drinks right away? I was out with another pastor friend. No. But, but watching him, he pastors in Rosedale. And he was just like, hey, and he said her name. And by name, he just said, I just want you to know that you're a blessing. I just want you to know that you're doing a great job. And she was like, because <sighs> she felt like he was about to say, I want you to know that I'm upset, like every other table was saying, you know. And she was just like, <sighs> and he says to her, you go to church anywhere? She's like, I've never been to church. It's right under our nose, never been to church. Do you know anything about the Lord? Not really. Well, and he says, well, this dude right here, he pastors right around the corner. And then I took over the conversation, and we just started talking about church and God and invited her. You know, that could have gone. At what point are we figuring this thing out that it's important how we treat people? No, it's important that I am treated with dignity and respect. <laughs> I need new accents. Someone tell me. <laughs> the old lady, we're pulling the old lady back out. Listen here. <laughs> okay, you get the context. Let's jump into the scriptures. Go to Romans chapter 10. All that was laying some groundwork. Y'all are like, for real? <laughs> it's not a long message today, but it's a timely and important one. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 through 21. Let's read all of these verses together, and you will be blessed by it. Look at verse 14. How then can they call on him in whom they have not believed in? Now you'll see where this fits. And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? How can they preach unless they are what? Sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The Lord never saw my feet. <laughs> anyway, uh, you'll get it later. But not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard. This is a famous verse. And what is heard comes through the message about Christ. But I ask, did they not hear? Yes, they did. Another quote. Their voice has gone out to the whole earth and their words to the end of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First Moses said, I will make you jealous of all those uh, who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that lacks understanding. I think of Jonah and Nineveh. And Isaiah says, boldly, I was found by those who were not looking for me. I revealed myself to those who were not asking for me. But to Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and defiant people. I could say, and to America, I held out my hands to a disobedient and defiant people. I think it's prophetic for us. Here's what I did. This is in the program. 
which if you've never been to the program, go there today. But I took every passage in, in those few verses, every passage that Paul quotes from the Old Testament, I put it in the program. I'm going to read it to you real quick, okay? Paul's quotations and mentions. Isaiah 52, 7. See if this sounds familiar. How beautiful on the mountain are the feet of the herald who proclaims peace, who brings news of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Does that sound familiar? He pulls it right out of the prophet Isaiah and slams him in the middle of this letter and says, church, this is relevant. Isaiah 53, 1. Love this passage. Who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Does that sound familiar? Psalm 19, verse 4, another quotation. Their message has gone out to the whole earth, and their words to the end of the world. Paul is saying, hey, Torah-abiding Jew, do you understand what these scriptures mean in the Old Covenant? Do you understand what the prophet was trying to tell you then, seven, eight hundred years ago? And here we are now talking about the same thing. What's the thing that we don't learn from history? I might have said that backwards, but. Mm-hmm. Is that we don't learn from history. We don't. Acts 13, 46 through 47. Listen to this. This is the Apostle Paul writing through the physician Luke who's pinning this. We believe that Paul had a disability. I think it was his eyes. I think he had poor eyesight. And so you always see someone, I'm on. <laughs> no, like really bad. Like, uh, so Luke or uh, Timothy or whoever is with him, we find him dictating a lot to them. Uh, so listen to this. Paul and Barnabas boldly replied in Acts 13, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first, the Jew, since you reject it and judge yourself unworthy of eternal life, we are turning to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. How many want that said about them? Uh, because you don't understand how good you got it, I'm going to use you as an example to someone who will appreciate it. That's what Paul is saying. And I feel like that's where we're at in good old US of A. We've been given everything. We're so, we are spoilt rotten. And we have been lulled to this place of complacency. And here we are with the gospel, and we have young people that are running from church. Run, young, young people that are running from, from the house of God, running from the gospel. They don't want nothing to do with it. Atheism, non-belief is higher than it's ever been. How do we explain that? I got a few things. <laughs> but not even to get into that, but you see the problem. At what point are we transitioning from the fact that, look, you were, at, at some point you were doing the work of God, and now the work of God is being done in spite of you. I don't want that to be said about us. But here's, here's what comes in view from this text. It's this. Look up here. It's this. It's the fact that God is going to work no matter what. Once again, the universe doesn't revolve around you. It doesn't. We may think it does. But if you don't put God first and, and put what God has for you first, then God will use you one way or another. Isaiah 65, 1 through 2, and we get to the message here, and we're gonna, you're going to go home and eat your hot dogs. 
Because no one has plans, obviously. Isaiah 65, 1 and 2, it says, I was sought by those who did not ask. I was found by those who did not seek me. And I said, here am I, here am I to a nation that did not call on my name. I spread out my hands all the day long to a rebellious people who walk in the path that is not good, following their own thoughts. All of this is right from our text here, Paul quoting other passages. We see, listen, that this is both a problem and a solution. When someone decides that they are not going to do what the Lord wants, it is both the problem and the solution. When you choose to walk away from God, it is not over. God will use you as a vessel of honor or a vessel of dishonor. Which side would you rather be on? I'd rather have a relationship with the Lord. Anyway, herein the plan that God would redeem his people was never a singular focus, but one of rich intent to bring all nations to himself. That means that we look at, and this is what Cody was talking about from Romans chapter 9, God's elect, the people of Israel, God didn't elect them to be a singular people. He elected them to elect others, even in their stubbornness. This is a unified story of God's grace to work through the challenges of sin and the consequences that are related to sinful human beings. We see on the front end of chapter 10, the message of the gospel is what really matters, church. Paul's concern was the righteousness of God being put on display for all to see, giving access to every person the saving knowledge of the gospel. That's the intent. Paul is saying, if I could put this into perspective, before we talk about the details of my brothers and sisters that are not on board with the message, which is chapter 11, and that's what we're going to do next week, God is working no matter what. God is moving in every circumstance. God is God no matter what man thinks. Whatever background you come from, whatever ideology you have, he is still God no matter how you feel about him. And he will work. All right, so we move from the beginning of chapter 10, which is what really matters, the gospel, to chapter 10, verse 14 through 28, I believe. He says, this is what you do with what really matters. And that's the message today. If the gospel is what really matters, how are they going to hear? Do you understand the transition that he made? And Paul gives specific instructions of how we handle this message of the gospel. We move from what really matters now to what we do with what really matters. Remember this scripture, Isaiah 52, 7, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the herald who proclaims peace, who brings news of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. And look at verse 15 right here in our text, chapter 10, verse 15. It says this, and how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Direct quotation from the, the prophet Isaiah. Do you see it? How beautiful are the what? Come on, how beautiful are the what? Let's go get petties. You know. <laughs> how beautiful are the feet? Look, here's the word I have for you today. This, this is, and the points really all just go together. Here's the message. How do we handle what really matters? If what really matters is the gospel, then how do we handle the gospel? What do we do with the gospel? Does anybody know? What do we do with it? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. So here's the word I have for you today. Think more about your feet than your face. 
Think more about your feet than your face. That's it. When I thought about this message, I was like, everything in our society is geared towards our face. If you go to your Facebook profile, how many want to just have a Facebook profile of your feet? That would be weird. <laughs> they would be like, oh my goodness, don't go anywhere near that person. <laughs> That's strange. They, uh, it's like Mr. Deeds, may I change your socks, sir? <laughs> I love that movie. Anybody seen that movie? That's an oldie but goodie, isn't it? He just like shows up. May I rub your feet? <laughs> love that. He was in line with the gospel, wasn't he? He was like, I love feet. They are beautiful. <laughs> That's funny. Anyway, I cracked myself up. <laughs> he was like, I quote Isaiah 52, 7 all the time. <laughs> How beautiful are the feet? Oh. It's, it's, it's weird, right? We would be like, that's strange. They care about their feet. Hmm. Has anybody seen my feet? <laughs> you literally, people go blind when they look at my feet. It's so bad. It's, they're so bad. Open-toed shoes are not for me, friend, I'm trying to tell you. Look, I, I wear Crocs for a reason. Those Birkenstocks with, like, the two straps, no. I'm like, I need the whole thing covered. I need the clog. People go blind. I've caused car accidents. Children cry. Like, all because of my feet. Like, if they come out, it's like, woo. And I pass that gene on to my kids. If you look at my children's feet, please don't make fun of them. Just make fun of me. They can't handle it yet. They're young, but I gave that gene all to my children. Poor thing. I mean, it's bad. It's really bad. But the, the gospel is how beautiful are the feet. Here's the thing. We have a society that's so concerned about their faces. Look, I'm all for painting the barn. You know what I'm saying? Like, do what you got to do. Pretty it up. I'm not picking at that, but I'm saying we've got it backwards. We're more about people coming to us and how we are perceived and who are, what our truth is versus what we're carrying to someone else. Let's worry less about our face and more about our feet. Let's worry less about what people think about us and more about what someone else needs to hear no matter what they think about it. Do you understand what I'm saying? What do we do with this message? Ugh. Paul's like, if you understood, you Jew, you Torah-abiding Jew, stop telling them to keep the law. You Gentile that's coming in this church, you, don't be a stumbling block to them. Both of you need to be quiet and understand where the other is coming from and unite together around this message that other people need to hear. Nobody wants to come into our, our junk. The problem with, with churches, I just bit my tongue, that hurt. Man, got it. It stings a little. Just right there, bam. The problem with churches is that there's more arguing and bickering going on, and nobody wants to come in and join it. Not here, of course. We don't have any of that stuff at our church. Everybody gets along perfectly in Bethlehem. Yeah. Look. Remember that casting crowns line, the world is on their way to you, but they're tripping over me? It's a problem. It's a real problem. Why? Because we're more concerned about our face than our feet. I wrote this down. Share, hear, and believe. 
There's a super famous verse right here in our text that says, so faith comes from what is heard. And King James says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We know that. Some of us have grown up in church. We understand that. The CSB puts it this way, and I like it. It says, so faith comes, don't miss this, faith comes from what is heard. And what is heard comes through the message about Christ. <laughs> Worry less about your face. And more about your feet. If, if you're worried about you instead of Jesus, they're getting the wrong message. This is what I think. That's the problem. Less about you, more about him. Paul said this in Philippians uh, 1.6, I think it is. Being confident of this very thing that he, I love this verse, that he which hath begun a good work in you, he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. This is not, sharing our faith isn't about our performance. This isn't a sales game. Pastor Matt, I talked to 35 people this week, and here are all their responses. I mean, that's great. I think that would be really cool if everybody was like, I talked to 55, I talked to 75. I mean, if we were like getting into like some sort of competition with how many people we shared the gospel with, that would be cool. It's not quite the idea, but you understand what I'm saying. But the point is, is it's not about your effectiveness in sharing the message. It's about just giving the message. Why? Number one, the message is for everyone. But, but they're not going to receive that from me because I already know. People who think that way, they don't believe this. They don't see it the way I see it. Would they have talked to Paul? Would they have talked to Peter? You got Paul, someone who had it all figured out, someone who understood that every Christian deserved to die. Every Christian was wrong. They deserved to go to prison for that horrible ideology of Jesus, and Jesus chose to knock him off his horse and redeem as a sinner that was literally killing Christians. He's now making Christians. You don't know what God is going to do with that message. You don't know who God is going to reach. The end of his love can go to the ends of the earth, can change a radical ideology. It doesn't matter what they look like, what they smell like, what they believe, what they act like, how angry they are. It doesn't matter. I'm not talking to them. Their lifestyle is contrary to scripture. That's more reason for you to talk to them. We're scared to death in our society. I can't talk to them about Jesus. They'll turn me in. Let them turn you in. They need to hear it. Faith comes by what? How are they ever going to change except they what? The faith part, that's, that's of the Holy Ghost. You speak it, and the Holy Ghost internally speaks to them. The problem is, is we think that it's our words that are bringing people to Jesus. It's just how I said it. <laughs> Here they are. It's so good. No. This is, a, faith comes by, you're a mouthpiece. You're put on a witness stand to say, Jesus is who he said he was. You're the witness. It ain't about you. Romans 7.1, there's no condemnation against you because you're in who? In him. He's the one on trial, and boy, did he deliver. Mm. We've made it about us, haven't we? Okay, I'll just take all that on myself. I've made it about me, okay? I've made it about me. And we're done with that. Everyone deserves to hear. Those people that you're making fun of, 
those people that you don't like, those people that are destroying our nation, those ideologies that you don't think are appropriate, all of them deserve to hear the message of Jesus. Every last one of them. And if because of the way you are living, it is you're unable to share that message with them, you need to change, not them. They need to change. How are they going to change? Let's back, let's back it up. How are they going to believe except they what? Come on now. Except they what? Hear. How are they going to hear without a what? Well, I'm not a preacher. You know, that just means the one carrying the message. That's all it means. No, that's Pastor Matt's job on Facebook Live. <laughs> no, wrong again. Wrong. <laughs> it's not. It's not just my job. We are all preachers. We are all sharers of a message. Okay, so if someone won't let you share the message because of you, you're worrying too much about your what? Then your feet. It's so simple, isn't it? It's like literally the simplest thing. But yet, how can they hear without a preacher? Well, how can they preach except they be sent? Well, I ain't going. I ain't talking to them. <laughs> what you're really saying is they can go to hell. I don't care. That's really what you're saying. No, my, my opinions of who they are is way more important than their salvation. <laughs> Let them rot. See, the thing is, is, like, when we discipline our children, some of you need to figure out what that is. <laughs> when we discipline our children, the goal is to show them why there's a consequence, right? Not just to say, all right, come here, you're getting your licks and get out of here. No, it's, I, I often say, did that hurt? Well, yeah, yeah, that hurt, Dad. And I say, why does it hurt? And their response should be, or they get another spanking, just kidding, <laughs> Their response is, sin hurts. That's what my children say when there's disciplinary action. It hurts because sin hurts. I want them to know that what they're doing is what caused the hurt in their life. What you're doing is what's causing someone to die and go to hell because your opinions are more important to you than you just carrying a message to someone. Like, we've got to internalize this. I know that's a hard truth. Number one, everybody, oh my, it's 1217. This is how it happens, church. This is how it happens. Number one, everyone deserves to hear it. Number two, everyone is responsible for their own action. I think the second problem with what we're dealing with here is this. You're taking responsibility for their answer. And I want you to, I want you to see this. The children of Israel over and over were used even though they didn't want to be used. Jonah and Nineveh, right? Jonah's like, I'm going to go give the message, but I don't even want them to believe, right? You understand what I'm saying? And then they received the gospel. So here's what I'm saying. Just because you don't think they're going to take that message the right way doesn't give you an excuse not to share it. Because their acceptance or denial is going to be used, both of them. If they deny it, watch this. Someone else may see them deny it and go, why did they deny that? What did you tell them? So many times I've shared the gospel with someone in a work environment that didn't accept it, but somebody heard me sharing about the gospel in a work environment, and they were like, can I hear that? Can I get in on that? God is, my point is, is God is working his plan. You just share. Don't worry about 
sharing it with someone that you think is not going to accept it. I'm not saying be obnoxious, right? I'm saying however they accept it, if they do or if they don't, is up to the Lord. You feel me? Number one, everybody deserves to hear. Number two, everyone is responsible for their own reaction. Number three, the Lord uses, and we already said this, acceptance and rejection alike. So three words, share, hear, believe. Share, hear, believe. The two-part system here. Share the good news of what Jesus has done for you in a way that someone else will hear what Jesus can do for them. Share the good news of what Jesus has done for who? Share the good news of what Jesus has done for you. <laughs> In a way that someone will hear what Jesus can do for them. And watch this. And believe it for themselves. All we're trying to do is spark faith in someone else. And that's a work of the Holy Ghost. Faith comes by what? And hearing by the word of God. Share Jesus. Let them hear Jesus and believe. This is how faith comes about. How many of you in this room have faith? Aren't you the lucky ones? I mean it. Aren't you the lucky ones? Come on, how many of us have faith? Most of us raised our hand. I got faith! Guess what? Somebody else does not. You got what somebody else needs, even though they might not know they need it. Thank you for watching and joining us for our church online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ, or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments, send us a message, and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week and God bless.